way to start your year, isn't it? Just declaring the power in the name and in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Man, we're going to have a good day in church. We already are having a good day in church. And um, I really do believe it that the most important thing that we do every single week at Eternity Church is lift up the name of Jesus. Just lift up the name of Jesus. We do a lot of things, you know, we'll preach the word and there's fellowship and, and there's kids church and, and they're worshiping God too, right? But the most important thing that we do every week is lift up the name of Jesus. If my sermon today, if you're like, I didn't need that, didn't want that, didn't like that. Well, you got an attitude, but also you still did the most important thing you could do in the house of God this week, and that's just lift up His name. Lifting up His name, amen. God is good. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe He deserves your praises? Come on now, then give Him another, another little bit of praise in the house, come on. This is His house, amen. This is His house. I got a word for you today that is um, both challenging um, and faith building, okay? Because I, I, I want to encourage you on the first day of the, you know, our first weekend of the year, right? I want to encourage you. Um, but I don't just want to just clap and just tell you you're awesome and, you know, you, you can do it. You know what I mean? I, um, I also want to give you something and challenge you. and Because and, uh, it's my heart that you would live your life God's way. And it's my heart that you would taste and see that. God is good, that when you line your life up with His Word, no matter how hard it is, that your life is better when it's lived His way. Amen? And uh, so I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to read from verse 7 to 13. Uh, we'll get there in a second. Uh, while you're turning there, welcome to church, everybody. Welcome across our campuses. Um, uh, little heads up, uh, I, uh, this is our first week uh, of not having a Saturday night service. Okay, we moved it to Sunday night, um, which was a bit of a faith step because it was kind of growing slowly, but we needed to make more room in the 1030 service, which is overflowing. So we're hoping, praying, <coughs> declaring <laughs> even. We're going to step into some name it and claim it territory. We declare it that some people are going to leave the 1030 and go to the fight new 5 p.m. Sunday service. And so, so that'll be good. And, but, um, but what that means is, this is the rehearsal service. <laughs> You're so used to having a polished sermon. Well, those days are gone. <laughs> I've never preached to this before. So anything could happen. So welcome to church. Awesome. And um, happy new year. Uh, just heads up next week, we're gonna, I'm going to preach a sermon on prayer and fasting. And then the following Monday, we're going to launch into 21 days of prayer and fasting where you will receive an email every single day uh, with what we as a church are praying for that day. And I'm going to encourage everybody, what I'm going to do and what I'm going to encourage you to do is pick a meal that you're not going to eat for 21 days. You might say, I'm not going to eat dinner for 21 days. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat breakfast for 21 days. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. Or I'm not going to eat lunch for 21 days. Now, if you're one of those people who you always forget to eat breakfast, can I tell you that when you continue to forget to eat breakfast, that wasn't fasting. 
that was just continuing in a bad habit, okay? So maybe eat breakfast this week and then forget the next one. No, I'm just kidding, right? But, um, but seriously, uh, and we are, I'll tell a bit more about it next week, but fasting is not, I'm not doing video games. That's just not doing video games. Fasting is not, uh, I'm just not going to be on my technology. I'm going to fast technology. No, you're not. You're just not using technology. Fasting is when we give up a meal and we intentionally go and spend time to pray. And with all that's going on in our church, all the big and exciting and faith-building things, we need to cover our, our church in prayer. Amen? And ask God for wisdom and provision in Jesus' name. Amen? Awesome. So let's pray and then I'm going to read the scripture. Heavenly Father, even before we pray for this service and for this um, sermon, God, we want to lift up our neighbors in Perry. Lord God, the news of that ridiculous and senseless violence shattered and broke all of our hearts. God, a number of people in our church live in Perry. And God, we pray for them and we pray for all our friends and family and neighbors and all the people that live in Perry and the surrounding communities. And we pray, Lord God, that in the midst of senseless violence and tragedy, that your Holy Spirit would come and minister to people, would come and move in their lives, Lord God, that this tragedy, Lord God, though you did not make it happen, and, and Lord God, though, though it is not of the Lord, it came from the pit of hell itself, but Lord God, that you are so good that you can do good in the midst of evil and tragedy. And so, God, I just lift up our brothers and our sisters, our family, our friends, and our neighbors in the community of Perry, Lord God. And we pray for your healing power. And we pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And God, we pray even now as we preach this word that, Lord God, you would use this sermon and this moment to encourage every one of us, Lord God, if any of us are downtrodden, uh, in despair or upset still, Lord God, I, I pray that you would use this moment to encourage us, to fill us with joy, to fill us with hope, Lord God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise if you believe he can minister right now. <laughs> praise God. All right, all right, all right. Let's read the scripture and then you may take your seats. I'm starting at verse 7. It says... Let the wicked forsake his way. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. When you're reading in your Bibles, um, on the screen, it's hard to tell because everything's in capitals, but in your Bibles, the word Lord is in capitals. That's because... Um, the, the actual word, any time that you see the word Lord in capital letters, in the original Hebrew, the word was actually Yahweh, okay? So it just says, declares Yahweh. And, uh, and then uh, Hebrews, uh, not wanting to 
take the Lord's name in vain, decided that they wouldn't even say his name. And so they started, they changed it to Lord instead of Yahweh. Okay, so they wouldn't say Yahweh um, out of fear of taking his name in vain. But, but, but God's name is Yahweh. And every time that we see capital L-O-R-D, it is Yahweh. Okay, and so it says, for neither are my ways your ways, declares Yahweh. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it spring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, uh, so my word that goes out um, from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, and it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I have sent it. For you shall go out in joy, and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn, there shall come up a cypress. Instead of the briar, there shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray you help us today to receive it and not just to hear it, but to hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. High five your neighbor. You may take your seat. People in the room, and I heard like eight high fives. Sons of disobedience. No. <laughs> Y'all ready? I'm so confused. I don't know how to use this table anymore. And so we lost my pulpit, so we don't know what happened there. Um, if one of you took it, um, bring it back, all right? And you shall be abundantly pardoned. But, uh, but in the meantime, I've got to figure out, I think, there we go. I don't want to use the Word of God as a, as, a, as a prop, though, so we won't do that. Anyway, today I want to talk to you about living your life God's way. Okay, living your life God's way. The title of my sermon uh, and uh, the title of my shirt is Your Way, Yahweh. Okay, Your Way, Yahweh. Uh, I'm going your way, Yahweh. Uh, God, your way is better, Yahweh. God, I'm going to live my life your way. It's actually the theme for our year, 2023. Your way, Yahweh. In everything that we do, God, we want to do it your way. We're not looking for the most strategic way. We're looking for your way. We're not looking for the best marketing way. We're going your way. We're not looking for the socially accepted way, God. We, we, we want to go your way, Yahweh. Amen. And that's what we want to do as a church. It's what the commitment in our heart is. And so today I want to talk to you about why you should uh, commit in your heart that I'm going to go your way, Yahweh. Amen. <clears throat> Has anyone ever really found that living life any other way is better than living life God's way? I really do doubt it. Nobody's found that to be true. I've never heard anybody say that that is true. It's not just about eternal life either, right? Like I'm not just saying that, you know, like life's better because if you give your life to Christ and if you live life God's way, well, then you get to have eternal life and that's better, right? And, um, and, and it's just, there's more than eternal life, okay? Now, even though that is the most greatest gift ever, 
eternal life, that, 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 that abundant life will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And, and that's awesome too. But this life that God's given you is actually a gift. That this is not just a test. That God didn't say, I'm bored, let's create a little rat race and see if this will be fun to watch. You know what I mean? And we'll use this little moment just to sort of tempt people, to test people, and to see if they're good enough, right? It's not that. That's not what this life is. This life in and of itself, even before we enter into eternity, this life is a gift from God because He loves you, He adores you, He's got a plan for you, He wants to bless you, you're one of His children, and it is a blessing now. So what I mean by that is that, see, that, 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 that living life God's way in the here and in the now is also a better way to live, not just later on after we pass away. It's both a macro truth and a micro truth. It, it, and, and in that, what I mean is it, it's true in the micro, in the small, in the individual areas of your life, and it's also true on the macro. Your whole Life gets better as you line more and more and more of it up, more of the small and the individual uh, uh, parts of your life as they align with God's word, your whole life gets better and better and better, amen? And so it's a new year and, um, and I think what you need now uh, more than a new you or a new way or more, sorry, more than a new you, you need to start maybe looking at a new way to live some of the areas of your life. You don't need surgery or new clothes or makeup or implants or more followers on Instagram or better filters for your photos or anything like that. What you need to do is say, God, I'm going to live a new way. I'm going to live your way. Can I tell you, for many people in the room, you don't even need a miracle. You just need a new way to live, okay? Now, there are miracles available. We'll get to that later on. But for many people, not all people, but for many people, we don't need a miracle. We need to change the way that we live. Can I get an amen? It's a scary thing to amen, isn't it? Right? See, on the macro, on the large scale, we need to decide and say, God, I'm going to live my life your way from now on, okay? Uh, God, your ways are higher. God, your ways are better. And I'm going to try and live my life your way. Then on the more micro level, uh, one part of your life at a time, we just start to shift our life just sort of inch by inch, sort of foot by foot. We just start shifting our lives to line up more and more inch by inch, foot by foot, mile by mile, with God's Word. And it's not like the moment I say I'm going to live your way, then suddenly I'm perfect and everything about me is amazing and, and you know, I never sin anymore and I never make any mistakes anymore. But, 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 but inch by inch, uh, uh, the trajectory of my life and the desires of my heart is to line all of my life up with God's Word. Amen? Now, it's a safe bet that every one of us has at least one more thing in our lives that we wish we could change or that we wish we could see better align with God's Word, right? Maybe for some of us, it's the things that we look at um, or maybe it's the things that we think about or 
Perhaps it's how we manage our money or it could be our marriages. It could be that we just feel like in every opportunity, instead of uh, seeking wisdom, we seek foolishness. Um, Perhaps it's in regard to sexuality or maybe there's something hiding deep in your heart like unforgiveness or bitterness or rage or envy or maybe hatred that's been there for a long, long time. And uh, I want to tell you that I do believe that it can change that you don't have to end 2024 the way it started. Right. We, we don't have to end 2024, come on, the way that it started, all right? We're seven days deep. I think it's the seventh today, am I right? It's the seventh today, right? We're seven days deep, and for many of you, it has sucked already. Hands up if that's you. Don't put your hand up. I'm just playing with you right now. But it's true. It's true. And the one thing I like about New Year's is a defining line where we can say, all right, I'm leaving that in the past. But can I tell you what's more important than New Year's is today. Is today. The day that you realize I don't have to live like that anymore is the most important delineation that you can find in your life, okay? So perhaps you failed already, perhaps you made these lofty goals, perhaps you thought that by week, you know, seven days deep you were going to be 40 pounds lighter. Well, it just doesn't Today is the most important day in your life when it comes to what you're going to change and how you're going to live moving forward. Okay, so I like New Year's, but what's more important than New Year's is right now. And you don't have to end 2024 as bitter as it begun. You don't have to carry the same old sins that you had last week into next week. Doesn't have to be that way. Isaiah 55 tells us, speaking of those who (coughs) forsake their own ways and say yes to God's ways, it says that they will go out in joy that they'll be led forward in peace, that the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of thorns, they will have a giant cypress trees. Instead of the briar, they'll have the myrtle tree and, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that God is real. So it starts telling us that we should forsake our own ways and then tells us how much better God's ways are and it promises that if we choose God's ways, life will go better for us. The first few verses of the passage I read today in verse 7, it starts saying, forsake your own ways. And then it tells us, do this, exalt God's ways. God's ways are better. And then it promises us that if we do that, life will be better when it's lived God's ways. And that is the reason why as a church we're so passionate about preaching the gospel to everybody that we can. And everywhere we get the opportunity, we just want to tell everyone, we just want to show everybody that God's way is better. That as you say, yes, God, I'm going to go your way, Yahweh, I am saying yes, Lord, that I'm going to live your ways. I'm going to live according to your word. We want the world to know that as you do that, that life always gets better. 
That's why we're committed to preaching the whole gospel, the celebrated parts of God's word and the less popular parts of God's word because the whole thing is good for you. This whole thing is good for you. There's not bits of it that I wish weren't there. I used to wish bits of it weren't there. I used to wish it didn't say what it said, but that's like wishing you didn't have two legs. You need the whole thing, amen? The whole thing thing is, could you get by maybe missing a leg? Yeah, but it's going to be more difficult and it's not going to be the best way. The best way is the whole thing. Can I get an amen? The whole thing's useful. The whole thing's powerful. The whole thing's life-changing. Amen? Isaiah 22 verse 9. Sorry, not 22 verse 9. 55 verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And this isn't just telling us that God's ways are like, you know, they're higher, you know, like, you know, like this table is higher than this speaker. You know, it's not just saying that they're up there. It's the same word that's used for exalted above. That when God's ways are exalted above our own ways, that when we forsake our own ways and our own thoughts and our own desires and we say yes and begin to exalt God's ways and God's thoughts above our own, that there's great power in that. There's great power when we exalt God above ourselves, humbling ourselves. There's great power when we exalt God's ways over our ways and God's thoughts over our thoughts. And, and that's really the gist of this passage right here. If you will exalt God above yourself, if you will exalt God's ways above your ways, if you will exalt God's word above your life, your desires, and your feelings, then you will go out in joy. You'll avoid many thorns in your life. You'll avoid so much pain. You'll avoid so much suffering. You'll avoid that life of lacking, and you will experience the goodness of God all the days of your life. Can I get an amen? Exalting God in 2024 will bring you joy, it'll bring you peace, and it'll bring you a better life than you had before. It'll bring you, can I tell you, 2024 exalting yourself versus 2024 exalting the Lord, 2024 exalting the Lord will be significantly better than 2024 exalting yourself. Your way, Yahweh. Someone say it. Your way, Yahweh. Amen. Your way, Yahweh. What are you exalting in your life? As you look back over the last few months, what have you been lifting up? You've been lifting up the truth or lifting up lies? Are you lifting up hope? Are you lifting up despair? I think even as Christians, we can fall for that lie too. We can start lifting up despair all the time. Like we look at the world around us and believe you me, I know that it's crazy out there. When I look at some of the things happening around our country, it's crazy. When I look at what's happening around the world, it's crazy. I get it. But I don't want the main topic of my conversation to be lifting up despair, like there is no God, like God's dead and can't do anything about it. I want the main topic of my conversation to be lifting up and exalting the Lord. Amen? I want to exalt God over the lies. I want to exalt God over the despair. I want to exalt the healer over the brokenness. Can I get an amen? What are you elevating? What are you exalting over your life? Do you want to have a better year? Do you want to have a better year? 
Yeah, half the room. Some are like, no, 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 I'm good, mate. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Really, really, I'm good. Really, you're good? You're done growing? Come on, some people really do live like this. They're like, I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm 60 now. I've been a believer since I was like minus eight months. You know, like, like I'm good. I got this. I know how to live. I'm nailing everything. It's all going real good. I'm done growing. You're done learning. You're done serving God. You're done kicking the devil out of your life. You've arrived. You're the one. You're the modern day 2024 Messiah who can show us all what it looks like to arrive at the epitome, at the pinnacle of Christianity. Awesome. Get out of here. <laughs> we ain't got room for that pride in this church. Can I get it? Come on. This side of eternity, you got work to do. Hello. This side of eternity, I got work to do. If, if you, you, did, did you want a perfect pastor? Wrong church. Not only because uh, I'm not perfect, but I'm probably least perfect out of all the pastors in this city. All right? So wrong church. Like, we're, we got work to do this side of eternity. There's still more that God wants to do in us and <clears throat> through us and around us. As far as I know, Iowa is not yet known as the, the state that lifts up the name of the Lord. So we got work to do. You got work to do. Come on, they still think we're the state with the pigs and the corn. And that's all right, but I want this to be the state that lifts up the name of Jesus. Amen? And has a lot of pigs and corn. But Jesus first, pigs and corn second and third. Can I get an amen? Right, we still got work to do. God's got work to do in you and through you and all around you. God's not done with you yet, my friend. So let me ask you again, do you want more? Yeah. <clears throat> when I say that, so many people are like, oh, prosperity. No, do you want more? Yeah. Do you want to grow closer to the Lord? Yeah. Do you want to find healing in your life, your relationships? Come on now. Do you want more? Yeah. Do you want more freedom, more healing, more breakthrough, more victory? Yeah. This year, we've got to exalt the truth over the lies. Got to exalt the truth over the lies. We've got to exalt the truth over the lies about what's right and what's wrong. The lies about what's good and what's evil. The lies even about who you are. You've got to exalt the truth, lift up God's ways, amen. Got to lift up God's thoughts. We're going to exalt God's thoughts over our own thoughts. <clears throat> lift up God's words, God's word over your desires and your feelings. Exclaim it loudly. God's way is better. You know, when you're in the middle of sin and temptation, and even when you've failed, one of the best things you can do after falling into sin or after jumping into sin, the, the best thing you can do afterwards is say, I was wrong. That is wrong, and this is right. You know, that's one of the best things you can do after sin. Do something terrible. Maybe you just went and shot your neighbor's dog. We've all wanted to. We've all wanted to. And the next thing you do is you go, that was wrong. God's way is better than that. Come on now. Come on now. Seriously though, the best thing you can do after you fall or after you jump into temptation and into sin is to immediately just admit it was wrong. 
and say, God's way is better than my way. God, help me live your way next time I want to shoot the other neighbor's dog. But the miracles and the breakthroughs start with exalting God above yourself. With exalting God above yourself, amen? Exalting God's ways above your own ways, above your own desires, above your own wants. That's the first step to a better 2024. Then, even when you don't want to. Okay, so first step to a better 2024. Exalt God's ways above yours. That's just talking about in your mind and with your mouth. God's ways are higher than my ways. God's ways are better than my ways. Amen? That's the first step. But then, even when you don't want to, you got to do it. At some point, you got to do it. you got to do it. The reason you haven't done it yet is because you haven't done it yet. The reason last year sucked was because you, you didn't do it. You just talked about it. You didn't do it. We can talk all we want. At some point, you've got to let that thinking drop down a level and change how you behave. Amen? Amen? Even if you still desire things that are opposed to God, the exaltation of God's ways above your own ways should lead to the strength that you need to actually live God's way. <clears throat> and as you live your life God's way, you will find all the fruitfulness and love and joy and peace that you could ever, ever imagine. I want to show you what I mean by this. And I'm, gonna, and I'm only going to use this example because I think most people would say this is a brutal example. This is a hard decision to make, all right? Because some things are easier than others, you know, like, man, I've got to stop eating sugar. Okay, I will. Oh, man, I'm totally attracted to this. Let's not put them in the same basket. Can we do that? Is that all right? Okay. Let's not pretend that someone battling same-sex attraction is the same as, I just love sugar. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm not going to use the sugar example right now, maybe in February and maybe a little later in the sermon. But let's, let's, let's talk about this. I don't mean to harp on about one issue, but I think this is the best way I can illustrate this truth. I think I may have told a story of a friend of mine in a sermon a couple of years ago when I preached a sermon on the biblical truth about sexuality and marriage. I told you a story of a guy who had always had same-sex attraction. He felt it in his teens that being raised in a church that preached the truth and in love, he knew what was right and what was wrong. And he knew deep down in his heart, even when he was maybe thinking and dwelling on just pursuing that life. He knew in his heart what was right and what was wrong. He knew that God designed marriage and sexuality to be experienced between a man and a woman to the exclusion of all others, as is seen all throughout Scripture. And he did love the Lord even as he battled. He'd experienced the power and the presence of God in his life, and he'd always prayed that God would take away these desires that he knew were against God's word. He felt called to the ministry and didn't want to have those desires sort of hampering him throughout his ministry life either. And I know many people who pray and find immediate and miraculous delivery from same-sex attraction, and, and, and I know others like my friend who didn't see an immediate release, but 
a slow decline over many, many years. But he committed in his heart eventually to loving, sorry, to living life God's way. He fell in love with a woman, didn't find her as sexually attractive at the start as he did same sex, but he did love the woman. He felt a little discouraged that his marriage didn't fix his feelings. Now that's an interesting statement in and of itself. Discouraged that getting married didn't fix his feelings, temptations, desires, sins. So many young men get married thinking that once I get married, I'll stop looking at porn. If I get married, it'll fix everything. No person will fix any of your sins. None. There's got to be a partnership between you and God to change your life. That was free. But back to this guy's story. <clears throat> but he's still committed to living God's way. I married her, I'm going to stay with her, he said. One day, he shared his struggle with her. <clears throat> and they committed together that they were going to honor the Lord with their lives. And so they entered into marriage, they had kids, and they lived a wonderful life. And in talking to him, he'll say that choosing God's way above his own desires, his own feelings, his own attractions even, has given him the best life he could ever have imagined. He would say that even if one day they said that there's a gay gene, or that I was born this way, that, well, we were all born into sin. And we're not animals. And we don't have to live our lives <clears throat> dictated to by the feelings and desires and the urges that we have. And we can choose to live our lives God's way. We can actually choose to live our lives in opposition to the feelings and desires that we have in our hearts and choose a better way to live. And quite often people say, trust your heart. And I can tell you, don't do that. Trust the Holy Spirit and trust the Word of God. Amen? Amen? He would say that when he played out all the possibilities of the life lived in pursuit of his own lusts and desires, that that life pales in significance, into insignificance when contrasted with the life God has given him. God's way gave him a loving, a beautiful, and a prayerful wife. God's way gave him kids. God's way gave him a godly job where he preached the gospel for many, many years. God's way gave him grandkids. God's way gave him legacy, and he loves his life. A very minor still has some of those desires, very minor. He goes so minor now, it's just like, a, like any dude walking past a beautiful woman on the street. But here's the thing. It didn't just disappear. But because he's not an animal, with the help of the Holy Spirit, he can choose to take every thought captive and bend it into submission and obedience to Christ. And he did. And I use that story to tell you this, that God's way is better, even when it's harder. The reason that we tell people 
the right way to live and preach the whole gospel is not because we hate people, but because God's way is better. Because you can have kids and grandkids who have a loving mother and a father and, and, the, and you can show them how to live God's way and they can do it and they can do it and so on and so forth. And you can leave a legacy of godliness and righteousness and joy and peace and hope. It's thousands of times better. I have another friend with similar feelings and has chosen celibacy. Both men would tell you that though it was very hard at first, it got easier and easier. But that even when it's hard, it's always better. Living God's way. When you say and when you mean it in your heart, I'm going your way, Yahweh. God's going to pour out his favor and blessing on your life and give you the strength to honor the commitment that you've made. Can I get an amen? But it all starts with the elevation, the exaltation of God's ways above your own. There's another young lady named Chloe Cole. Chloe Cole um, was living in pursuit of all her feelings and desires, and she chose to change her gender when she was a minor. This is in the United States. She had her breasts cut off and other things done to her body, different hormones and different things inside her that ruined her possibility of ever having children or whatever else. Then she started to align her life with the truth. She found that life to be empty, damaging, and meaningless. Then she started to align her life with the truth. She found God and began exalting Him and His ways and His design for her life over her feelings and over her desires. Now she travels the world warning people of the harm that comes when we pursue our every feelings and desires without any regard for what is true and what is right. I could tell you story after story about people who have found freedom in their finances as they finally chose to not just, uh, not just be in church, but actually honor God's word when it comes to their finances, to start tithing, to start living within their means, to start, to start uh, using a budget, to start being generous, to look after the widows and the orphans and the poor. When they started living life God's way in their finances, they found breakthrough. I could tell you stories of hundreds of couples who, though they went through rocky phases and at different points in life, literally, literally hated each other. As Tommy Barnett said, they, 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 they didn't want to get divorced, but murder was on the table, you know what I mean? And then, they, and, and then they got through that. They got past that. And instead of getting divorced or murdering each other, they decided that uh, we're going to stay together. We're going to honor the commitment because this is God's ways. And if we live our lives God's ways, I know that on the other side of this hard season that God's going to do something good in us and through us and all around us. And there's hundreds of people that will tell you that life is better because they stayed the course. Because they exalted God's ways above their own. Above their own. Now, I know there are other people in the room who did not, and they gave in to the pressure, or, or, or perhaps the other person was abusive or whatever else. But I'm just saying that even if, there's, even if there's whatever in your past, even if there's divorce in your past, even if there's adultery in your past, even if you're the one who walked away in the past... Now, today, mercy for yesterday, but truth today. And I pray for the grace that tomorrow you can live in the truth and not do that again. That moving forward, you can live God's way. You can exalt God's ways above your own. Can I get an amen? It's not God's desire to hurt you. He's not saying stay in that marriage because uh, I just want to see how much longer she can torment you. 
or he can torment you. No, no, God's plan is not to hurt you, but to heal you. God doesn't want to break you, but restore you. Jesus didn't come to condemn you, but to save you. And his ways are better. What's he saving you from? Life without him? Yes, but very often he's saving us from the consequences of our own foolish decisions. And he says, if you just live this way, you won't have to put up with that ever again. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. Life and life abundantly. And it's not prosperity gospel doctrine. It's not like people are like, oh, that's so prosperity gospel. It's not just a prosperity gospel doctrine. He does want you to have a good life. Like I said at the start, this is a gift. This moment is a gift from God. This life's a gift. He does love you. He does want to bless you. Now, some proponents of the prosperity gospel have focused entirely on finances, um, and I get that, and, but, but, but it's more than that. It, scripture does seem to indicate that God wants to bless us financially as well, yes, but it's so much more than money. Come on, an abundant marriage, an abundant relationships, an abundant relationship with God, first and foremost, abundance of hope, an abundance of peace, an abundance of joy, an abundance of health, an abundance of healing, an abundant life, amen, because I still believe God heals. Just like the woman with the issue of blood who'd been bleeding for 12 years and, and then one encounter with God, boom, she's healed. Praise God. She was an outcast. Praise God. She's healed now. She's restored. She can be restored to her family, restored to her friends, and she's healed. Awesome. I still believe God heals. And maybe you need a healing. We'll pray for it today. Or you could wait till next year or you could wait, well, you know, if I'm still sick in a month and on a ventilator, then I'll call the church. Or you could just come get prayer now. What if it's COVID? I don't care. I'll pray for you. Lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Not lay hands on the sick unless it's the vid. It doesn't say that. We will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Can I get an amen? We still believe God's a healer. I still believe God's a provider. What? How old school is that? I still believe that like when Peter needed to pay his taxes and then God's like, just open up the fish. He's like, oh, cool, there's some money. I don't even know how. I don't know how God will provide for you, but I do believe he will. Come on. Honor God. Exalt his ways above your own. Ask God for a miracle. Absolutely, I believe God still provides. I still believe God sets captives free like Paul in jail. I still believe that God sets captives free. I don't know what jail's holding you. I don't know what chains are on your life, but I believe that you can be set free. I believe they can be broken off. I believe that you can be set up to live in victory from now on, free from slavery and free from the debt and the wages of your own sin. I believe you can be set free. I still believe God forgives like the woman caught in the act of adultery. Everybody saw her. They probably saw her, but they were all around her and then and then Jesus says hey I don't condemn you but get up and stop sinning and so I still believe that God forgives even when you're caught red-handed I love it when people are like oh I don't think they're actually repentance they just got caught she just got caught and God forgave I didn't see her wandering out with a scarlet a on saying Lord look what I'm wearing I'm gonna stop now no she got dragged out of bed naked in public and God forgave her. I still believe God forgives. 
I still believe that God can turn every single tragedy and every single thing around you and cause it to benefit those that he has called and those who love him, amen. And I still believe that God gives wisdom. I still believe that you can be facing the biggest decisions of your life this year and and pray and seek God and seek wisdom and God will provide you all the wisdom that you need. I still believe. I still believe. But I also believe that way too many people, if they got the healing, they'd continue to live the way they, they were beforehand that led them to be sick in the first place. I believe that as well. So many people, if they got the provision, they'd continue to manage their finances the same way that got them in the mess that required the miracle. So many people, if they got set free, would end up in the same old prison, living the same old way that led them into slavery in the first place. Too many people find forgiveness and land back in the same old sins that enslaved and ensnared them. Too many people take all things work out for the benefit of those who love the Lord and use it as a license to sin and do whatever they want. Too many people take where where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And turn it into a funnel for some fake version of grace. So before there's a healing on the table, before there's freedom on the table, before there's a miracle in front of us, forgetting the past, forgetting the former, looking forward, you need to say, how am I going to live now? Do you want, or do you want to need another miracle in 2025? Like, come on, at which point are you going to be sick of asking for the exact same miracle every month or every year? Or you could choose God's way. Do you want to be crying out to God to break you out of prison again in 2025? Or are you going to live His way from now on? Do you want to be asking for forgiveness for the same things in 2025? that you've been repenting for or, or asking for forgiveness for, more likely, for the last 15 years? Or have you had enough? Come on, is enough? Are you, are you finally tired of being a slave to sin? Are you finally sick and tired of being broke? Are you finally tired of always needing a miracle? And never being able to be the miracle in someone else's life? Are you tired of folly? And are you desperate enough to receive and do wisdom? Are you tired of being sick? See, there's guys like blind Bartimaeus. And he's blind. And he needs a miracle. Can you imagine if Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus? And then he goes back, finds a twig, and he's like, just starts stabbing himself in the eye, sits back down there, and he's like, arms for the poor. He's like, I'm going to slap you, blind Bartimaeus. Next time you get healed, I'm going to blind you. Can we not pretend that we're always blind Bartimaeus needing a miracle? If we're drinking 20 large sodas every day, and got a diabetes diagnosis, let's not pretend we're in the same camp as blind Bartimaeus. 
That boy needed a miracle. We just need to live different. Did you hear me? That boy needed a miracle. We just got to stop drinking the sodas. It's not the same thing. Can you imagine him just getting his miracle and just stabbing himself in the eye? Come on, let's ask God for a miracle. Yes. Okay. You got, you got a diabetes diagnosis? Let's ask God for a miracle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's live different. And by the way, there are two types of diabetes. I'm talking about the one where people drink a lot of soda and then get a diagnosis. Not the one where people have got an autoimmune disease. Let's not pray for healing in our marriage if we're not going to quit taking those dollar bills to the strip club. You want both? You're not getting both. You gotta pick. Let's not ask for a miracle in our finances if we're not willing to acknowledge that perhaps our love for the casino played a part and we gotta make a change. Let's not ask for healing without asking God to help us live a better way from now on. Because you don't have to keep living the same old ways you've been living. No matter who you are, no matter how long you've been dancing to this song, it's not too late, okay? It's not too late. If you're here and still asking God for a breakthrough, it's not too late. If you're wondering, is it too late? It's not too late. If you're asking, have I gone too far? Has God given me over to the lusts of my heart, like in Romans? If you're asking that question, the answer is no. It's not too late. It's time to say yes to the miracle, but it's also time to say yes to a new way to live. Enough of these New Year's desperation, asking for freedom and miracles from things that we've not been willing to change. So this year, let's get the miracle and make the change. So let's ask for the miracle. Many of us are in a bad position because of the way we live. Thank God for forgiveness. Like, like Lord, forgive me. And Lord, I know I did this in many ways. But God, I'm asking for your healing power. And Lord, I'm asking for your help because starting now, I'm not going to live like that anymore. Amen. I'm not going to live like that anymore. We've got to make the change. Would you all stand up with me as I'm going to tell a quick story and then we're going to open the front for prayer. I used to have a 1978 Corolla. All right, I know we got some car dealers in the church and none of them sell those, but I got to tell you, that thing was a beast. All right? And I feel like it's safe to say no one's going to leave church today and be like, I got to get me a 78 Corolla. But that thing was a beast. The metal on that was so stinking thick, right? Like it was probably bulletproof. One day I was driving it and I heard something just 
fall in the, in the, in the door well, right? Um, thought it was a screw or something, and it just fell down, and the window stopped working. Just, just wouldn't work anymore. And if you're wondering what this is, kids, this is how we used to wind the window down. There was a handle, it kind of looked like an arm with a knob on the end, and you're, you know? And, um, but anyway, it went stuck, and this thing would not move. And that's all right in Iowa, not so great in Australia, because the only air conditioning I had was the Russian air conditioning. You know, the one where you open the windows and the wind's just coming rushing on into the car? I had Russian air conditioning. And that doesn't work when windows don't work. And it was hot as heck Gehenna in there, right? It was so hot. It's my friend Roger. I'll call him back later. I thought about answering it. He's a pastor of a big church in Seattle, and actually he's going to preach here soon. He's the dude that um, took the, the, um, the government to court and stayed open all through COVID and won. Cool guy. He'll be preaching here soon. So if you're new and you wonder where we stand on that, uh, that's where we stand on that. And so um, we'll never close again. Anyway, the window stopped working. It's hot as heck. You know, Australian just summers are just hot, you know, and I remember getting in the car as a kid on those vinyl bench seats, right, and when you, when you got off the vinyl bench seat, you left a piece of your body on the vinyl bench seats, like it was real hot, and um, anyway, for almost a whole year, I could hear, hear this thing like rattling around in the, in the, in the doorway, and the window wouldn't work, you know, it's so frustrating. One Christmas break, I had a Christmas break, college I was like I've got to drive from Adelaide to Victoria or maybe it was the way back I can't remember but I'm like I'm not gonna do this drive with no Russian air conditioning not gonna do it so on Christmas break I decided to fix it so I open up the door I pull the panels off it was super easy back then you didn't have to find all the hidden screws you just <clears throat> and it comes off and um it was real simple I saw it and this 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 arm from my central locking had actually just unclipped and just fallen into the cogs, into the winder bit. So it was like stuck on there and it wouldn't move, right? And I think every time I just got mad and tried to open it a bit more, it's a bit more into it. And um, all I had to do was just like grab that arm and just, and just click it back in to the central locking, which admittedly I installed the central locking in the car too. Because if you're wondering how did you, wait, do you know what central locking is? What do you call it? Would you click a button and the power door locks there we go that was a moment wasn't it central locking sounds so fancy we had central locking I installed it because 78 Corollas didn't come with that just FYI uh, or air conditioning and so um so anyway so I just popped that back up in there it wasn't a screw after all just reattached the central locking and suddenly I had air conditioning and central locking again in my car it was amazing it's funny because before that, I was just praying, Lord, I would love a new car. One that has central locking that works and uh, one that has uh, windows that work. I didn't have a huge, it wasn't a big list, but it was a list. Central locking that works and um, windows that work. 
It took me getting sick of being that hot to finally do something about it. I actually got a new car a few months later, funny enough. But I found it funny that, like, and, and, and someone gave me the money to buy a car too when I was in college. It was really cool. One of my, my cousin actually, uh, Michael Gilling. And uh, what was crazy was that the miracle didn't come until I just was willing to actually steward what I've got first. Instead of just, ah, oh, it's broken. I just want a new one. I didn't get my Ford Laser, little hatchback thing until I was willing to take 10 minutes to fix the Corolla. Took 10 minutes, pop. Well, you, you, you pop it off and then you just pop it back on. Every time you take it off and put it back on, one less thing sticks, but you know. <laughs> I tell that story to say this, you want a miracle and we'll pray for one with you, but it's time to steward what you've got as well. Your way, Yahweh, your way. Yahweh. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.